Well, we've talked about preparing your heart. We've talked about preparing your home. We've talked about preparing the church. And today we're talking about what it means to prepare the way of the Lord, which I think is just really important for us to do over and over again. We said that uh, the issue of salvation is the church's singular issue. It really is the issue that drives everything that we do. And when we think about Christmas, for us to, to think about Christmas and not think about how salvation is the singular issue of our day, of every day in the church, to try to introduce people to Christ so that they can be saved, would be to miss Christmas. Because everything that we're doing has a salvific issue in mind with it, doesn't it? And so today, you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 3, and we'll kind of finish this last bit of preparation for Christmas. And what I really want you to hear this morning is that Christmas is a story to tell. That's really what it's all about. Christmas is a story to tell. And we're going to see that from three different people's lives today. But we'll start by looking at the life of John the Baptist. I, I think in my, my experience with Christmas and with just being around people in general, I love great stories. I love good storytellers. I love all of that. You know, I, I love the story of David and Goliath, don't you? And it's true, by the way. I love that story. And I love it because it's true. But even if it wasn't true, it'd be a great story. I mean, that would be a fantastic story to see God move through the life of one person to give courage and strength to a group of people who had lost all of their courage and strength. Just remember, it oftentimes only takes one person to have courage to believe the Lord will do something to get people to come along behind you. That's important, isn't it? I, I love the, the story of, of White Christmas. It's a movie that my parents made us watch religiously every year at Christmas. I love it. I, I, I mean, I, I love what, what all it does. And, and if, if you were to ask me what my favorite Christmas character is, I love Danny Kaye when he's faking the broken leg. I mean, it's just, if you haven't seen it, maybe you watch it. Uh, I, I love the Cajun night before Christmas. Anybody ever read that? Uh, you know, got some Cajun family members and they used to read us the Cajun night before Christmas. That's a little bit different take on it. Uh, pretty interesting. But I love a good story and I love great storytellers. And we're gonna look and see three individuals or groups of people that had a story to tell. And let's start by reading in chapter three of the Gospel of Luke. We'll read verses one through six. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, Caesar, while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Etheria and uh, Traconitus and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it's written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled with every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, the rough ways smooth and everyone will see the salvation of God. When we read this story, there's a word that jumps off the page. And I'll give you the, the word and then we'll go to the backstory. And it's the word repentance. That word just, that word just climbs out of the story and, and just kind of stands out above everything else that we read that John was preaching a baptism of repentance. Now, this is the same John that we've been reading about over the last few weeks, remember? 
His parents were Zechariah and Elizabeth. An angel had told them he would be born, and it was late in life for them, and he comes as one, as we studied last week, who would be the precursor to the promised Son of God and the Messiah. And when we look at John's life, he's there as a herald, a prophet, pointing people. Now remember, for 400 years, there has been no prophet in all of Israel. So when Malachi ends, there's a 400-year gap in what takes place. And now John comes on the scene. And I want you to see that John's message was repentance. Each of the groups that we'll look at today had a message. But John's message was repentance. And we see that word in, in verse three. I'll just read it again. He went into all the vicinity of the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. If you go with us to Israel, you'll get to see the Jordan River and, and the places where people believe there's a traditional baptismal site that's right there. And it's a fascinating place because literally you could almost step across it. And on one side, there are guards from Israel, and on the other side, there's guards from the other country. I mean, it's literally, you could throw stones at each other right there, and the water's not that deep, and, and as you look at that, it's outside of the big cities, and all around you is desert, and the River Jordan flows out of the sea, sea and it comes down through this area. It's beautiful all around it, but John is not where you would expect him to be, right? He's not in the cities proclaiming this, when it says he's in the, in the Jordan River region, he's outside Jerusalem. People would have to come kind of down the mountain, over the hill to get to him. But the Bible tells us in the Gospel of Matthew that others were coming to him, and, and they were coming out of the cities. Well, why was he baptizing? What, what's, what's up with this? It's an interesting baptismal practice. Baptism is not something that the New Testament church actually started. The Jews baptized Gentile converts. And it was a sign of, of something taking place in their life. John is now extending that beyond just someone who would be a Gentile convert to someone who would say, I'm coming with a baptism of repentance. And that word becomes so important because symbolically, Jews were saying, I'm being cleansed of my sins. I, I, something is changing in my life. So when we talk about repentance, that word is one that we need to understand this Christmas time. If, if we were just to define it, uh, it, it, would, it would be an important word for us to say. It would be to turn around, change direction, and it's defined in our lives as a change of mind that leads to a change of lifestyle practice. A change of your mind that leads to a change in your lifestyle practice. And I wanna just say this, and, and, and if, you, if you don't get anything else, I say you, you can go to sleep right after this, okay? But right now, don't go to sleep. Listen to this. If there's no repentance, you haven't been saved. And people that would tell you there's a gospel without repentance have never read the scriptures. They, they don't understand the gospel. If there's no repentance, you've never been saved. There, there has to be a change of mind, a change of direction that leads to a lifestyle change. And John comes and he begins to herald the coming Messiah by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what he was saying to the people was, you need to get ready for what God's about to do, and it comes with a change of lifestyle. Now, there were certainly Gentiles coming to him. There were certainly common people like us coming to him. But there were also religious leaders coming to him. In fact, you may remember that, I mean, John never minced words, right? And there's this time where the, the religious leaders are coming to him, and he says, you brood of vipers. 
What are you doing here? I don't know. We're often worried about how we can grow the church by attracting people. John didn't seem to have that in mind. Can you imagine if you walked in this morning and I called you a snake in the grass and said you were a, a sorry human being? Right? I mean, why is he saying that to them? Why would he go so strong against them? He was trying to get them to step away from their pride and recognize that they needed repentance too. They needed a change of direction. They needed a change of mind that was going to lead to a change in their lifestyle. When we baptized this morning and, and we went through this significant act, there, there's something that happened here for you to see. It, it, was, it was subtle, perhaps. Uh, the water that we used, we didn't pray over it. It was heated this morning. That was a blessing, wasn't it, Isaiah? Uh, you know, we were talking about that. It would have been nice to get in there. How many of you were baptized in the cold? Anybody? There you go. Some of you know what it's like. The first church that I ever pastored, they baptized a man in the creek. They had to break the ice. He died six weeks later of pneumonia. You know what I mean? It's a true story. You know, this was in the 1800s. That's the, that's the story. They broke the ice in the creek to baptize him. He wasn't going to wait till the spring thaw. That's commitment, folks, you know? Why do we do these things? There's a symbolism that's going on there, right? Of a life that has been changed. And we say you're buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in a new life. Repentance leads to a change. Repentance leads to a change of directions. Well, what we often talk about is that we don't even realize that we're pursuing our own life, our own will, our own mind. And when we meet Christ, everything changes and our direction changes because now we're pursuing his ways, his will, his mind. The heart of Christ needs to be our heart. The mind of Christ needs to be our mind. And how does that happen in our lives? Well, John was pointing them to the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And the scripture says that every one of us has a problem, and that's that we need repentance. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For many years, I believed that what that meant was if we were supposed to hit the bullseye, we just barely missed. But that's not true. It's really an illustration from scoring like an archery target. If you might imagine with me, if, if we were shooting an archery target, big round thing with a couple of rings that got, got narrower, we often believe that like, oh, I'm, I'm not in the 10 ring, I'm like over here in the seven. I, I could do a little better. No, no, you didn't even score. Your arrow fell short, no points, zip. That's what it means to fall short. There's nothing you could do. You're not close to God and you just need a little bit of tweak and you'll be there. That's not what it is. The scripture says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all have fallen short. But the great news is the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. John came preaching a message of repentance that constantly pointed people to Jesus. He wasn't building his own crowd. He wasn't building his own church. He wasn't trying to build his own movement. He was pointing people to Jesus. And that changed mind that he was letting them see was necessary was going to ultimately lead them to Christ. One of the things that I find interesting about John's life is that he had another story he could have told. It was an incredible story. He could have spent his time telling people, you know, the angel came and spoke to my mom and dad. They couldn't have children. And I'm the result. I'm the offspring of that. I'm kind of special if you ask me. Gabriel gave me a name. Gabriel will give you a name. 
Gabriel gave my parents a gift. My dad couldn't speak after he was with the angel. Not until the day they named me could my dad speak. My mom couldn't believe it. But there's another part of this. Did you know that when I was in my, my mom's womb, Aunt Mary came over, Cousin Mary, and, and she had been uh, with child with Jesus, and, and I leapt at the sound of Mary's voice in my mom's womb. I mean, it's in the scripture, folks. Did you, have you heard my story? That wasn't the story that he told. The story that he told was always about Jesus. It was always about the birth of Christ. It was always about Christ dying for sins. That was what his focus was. And, and I want you to see, uh, the scripture's letting us see that there's a, a prophetic fulfillment going on here. If you look in your Bible, sometimes what it'll do is when it's quoting the Old Testament, it narrows in the, the margin of the text and it emboldens it for you. It puts it in a bold font. And, and that's from Isaiah. And when you look at this, it says, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. That's who he was going to be, right? Prepare the way for the Lord. Well, when Isaiah is making that proclamation, one of the things that's going on is it's talking about people being in exile, getting back to where they need to be. Now imagine this, right? Maybe in this room, some of y'all will remember this, but how many of you are old enough to remember when we did not have the Eisenhower interstate system? Come on, fess up. Right, a few of you, right? And, and you remember that traveling on the highway, like it took a little while, didn't it? A little bit longer than it often takes today. Why? Well, it was the rate of speed. You went through towns. You, you got bypasses around towns now and different things like that. And what, what's happening here is there, there's a picture of a group of people that are lost. They're in exile, trying to get back to their homeland. And, and when the scripture talks about we're gonna make straight the way, the mountains will be knocked down and the valleys be filled in. What is that picture saying? It's saying the road's gonna be clear and it's gonna be an easy road for you to travel to get back. Well, now when we apply that in the New Testament aspect, what's John saying? The only way for you to get back to Jesus is through repentance. The only way to get back to God is through Jesus. So how do we do this? We place our faith in Christ. We begin walking with him. And it says, I mean, this is a beautiful picture. The road will be straight. I, I didn't grow up in an area where the roads were straight. I grew up in East Tennessee. There were no straight roads. You had to get around mountains and ponds and lakes and different things like that. I'll never forget going to a city that was planned for the first time in my life and seeing blocks of a city. Like, you know, you go to Florida and, and, and it's beautiful, right? It's, it's Straight road, straight road, straight road, straight. I mean, it's, it's just easy to know where you're at, right? So when you see this, what he's saying is it's easy to find it. It's in Christ. And when you find it, you have a relationship with God. And Jesus is the path for us. And it comes through repentance. We need a message of repentance. There's a lot of stories that you could tell today. You could be a great storyteller about a lot of things, but the message that we need to tell the world is the one of Christ coming to die on the cross for us, born as a babe, raised by ordinary people, lived a sinless life, went to the cross bearing our sin, our shame, died, was placed in a borrowed tomb. He didn't even have a tomb. Raised three days later and ascended to the right hand of the Father. That's the message of Christmas. There was a, another message around Christmas and you're familiar with this uh, from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, and verse 15, and it's the shepherd's message. And they had a message that was a report. 
John had a message that was repentance. They had a message that was a report. If you think about it, the shepherds were pretty unlikely to be the persons entrusted with this report, but they were first on the scene according to the scripture. And Luke chapter two, verse 15 says, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds had a report. John had a message of repentance. They had a message that was a report. It was a testimony. And if you think about it, what is a testimony? A testimony is just a recounting of your experiences of what you have seen and what you have heard. That's it. What did you experience? How did it happen? What did you observe? What did your senses tell you? Eyes, ears? You know, maybe there's a tactile uh, piece of that that you felt or something like that with your hands. But they had a report to give. And it was their testimony. What, what they had experienced. And if you think about what they had experienced, it was quite a lot. They had been awakened in the night by an angelic host, a choir, singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with whom God is pleased. And, and it led them to investigate what they had heard when the angel told them that there was a baby born in Bethlehem. And they went straight away and investigated it for themselves. And then the Bible says they reported what they had seen and what they had been told. And, and as they left, did you notice it said they were leaving, praising God and giving him glory for what they had seen, and that amazed people. Now, it amazed people for a number of reasons. One, it's a spectacular story, right? Two, it's a spectacular group of people entrusted with the story because it's not who you would pick. It's not the theologians. It wasn't the pastors. It was people doing what they did every day of their lives. They were, they were doing what they normally did, and yet God intervened and spoke to them, and they began to speak to others and it amazed people. This is why the, the shepherd's report is so important for us. Because as a believer, you have a testimony. You have something that God did in your life. You, you were there. You can experience it. You, you can remember it, right? I, I can remember where I was the day that I made my profession of faith in Christ Jesus. I remember it uh, with, with some weird details. I don't remember what I wore that day. But I do remember that I had a Star Wars watch on that had C-3PO and R2-D2 on it. It was a digital watch. We sat right kind of in front of where, in our church, where Gail and uh, Daniel are sitting in the, in the second row. And, and we were on the radio all the time. And so I knew my dad had a hard stop he had to get to. He was my pastor. And I was just watching that watch. Now, I normally watch that watch because I was ready to get out of there and get to playing basketball. But the day was different. I was going to walk down front and tell my church family that I'd been saved. I was watching that, that time count down, knowing that it was just a few minutes until I could walk out and tell people that I knew Jesus. I, I remember it. I, I don't remember much about being in the third grade. I remember whipping I got at school one time, but I do remember getting baptized. I remember that day like it was yesterday. I remember walking in just like we did and I was the second to be baptized that day and one of my friend's mothers was baptized in front of me. And I remember that, 
you know, unlike what I expected, she didn't just get out of the water and leave. She turned around and watched with tears streaming down her face as I was baptized. I, I remember those days. I remember that. I remember what God's done in my life. You know what happens though to us a lot of times as believers? We don't have much of a report to tell because we haven't been around the activity of God. Let me tell you something. You go to Christmas holiday camp at Lighthouse, Christ, at Lighthouse Christian Camp and, and you work there, you'll have, you'll have a report to tell. You'll see the goodness of God. You go on mission, you go and do these things, you'll be around the goodness of God. You work in, in, in our, our preschool, you work in our weekday, you work in our children's ministry, you serve with our students, you teach a Sunday school class, you pray for people, you, you'll have a report to tell. And I think that's important for us because a lot of times we lose the report because we're just not around the activity of God anymore. We're happy to watch it from a distance. That's not how it was meant to be. I can't give a report about what you saw and experienced. That's not a testimony. That's just a story. But I can tell a lot of people about what's happened in my life and, and maybe you, you could go to work and, and find an easy testimony just by telling people what you experienced serving at some of our mission partners. You could tell people a testimony of what God did, how they've been delivered from addiction just by going to recovery church and watching what God does there one Thursday night. You would see it with your own eyes. You'd see people set free. You'd get to watch that. Uh, maybe, maybe you could tell somebody at work about an answered prayer that you've had recently and how God's been good to you. I mean, a testimony is the easiest thing that we've got. Shepherds weren't shy about it. And as they praised God and rejoiced and glorified in God, people were amazed at their story. They loved their report. John's message was repentance. Theirs was a message of a report. The wise men had a message. And it was a message of a regal mission. It was a regal mission, wasn't it? They came to worship and return. By my estimation, that makes them the first missionaries, right? The wise men came to worship the baby and then they went back on their way. If I could read it from you from Matthew's gospel, chapter two, verses nine through 12, it says this, after hearing the king, they went on their way and there it was, the star that they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was and when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. The wise men got it. They understood it. And their worship led to a return. I think one of the things that happens is that so many times my heart wants to do maybe what your heart wants to do. And, and that's that I'm happiest when we gather together and we're in the building and we're worshiping the Lord. I love it. My heart's stirred by that. And, and we have some experiences in here that honestly, I wish we could bottle them up and give them away to people. I, I wish that they could experience the joy and the warmth and the friendship and the kinship that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and you know, you get on the mountaintop sometimes and you just think, I don't wanna go down. The view is too good. It's too great being here. It's, it's too fun to be together, but that's never what God's design was. It, it wasn't a holy hangout. It was that they were to go back. And I think that's important for us. Last week, if you were in the musical, did you notice that when um, the baby Jesus was born, 
the shepherds came and one of the shepherds wanted to stay. Do you remember? He, he, was, he was worshiping and he wanted to stay. And another shepherd came back and said, no, we've got to go. That was on purpose, wasn't it? They, they had a, a message to go and the wise men understood that they had this regal mission. They were coming to worship the king and then with what they had seen, what they experienced, they were going back. And that's how it's always been. Jesus doesn't grab us and take us along with him so that we never leave him and go and serve other places, just hanging out in the church. In fact, one of my favorite stories in all of the scripture is when Jesus and the disciples had just come across the Sea of Galilee. They'd been through a rough storm. Jesus calms it. It's awesome. And then they step out on the other side and they meet a man called the Gadarean demoniac. Do you remember the story about this man? The Bible says that no one could do anything with him. He lived in chains that he would break in a cemetery. That's a great place to hang out, right? He was having a hard time and nobody could do anything with him. And Jesus cast out the demons from his life. And this man, the town came and found him sitting clothed, the scripture says, and in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. And when Jesus and the disciples got ready to leave, do you remember what he said? Hey, let me go with you. He had a lot of reason maybe want to go. Nobody'd wanted to help him. They just chained him up and left him out in the cemetery. Nobody could fool with him. You remember what Jesus said? Nope. You stay here and tell all these people what God has done for you. There's a, a regal mission that God gives us that we join in him. Uh, with him. It's this idea that what we have, we share it with the world. Uh, these wise men returned with a story to tell. They'd come on a mission and realized that the mission wasn't just to worship the king. They saw and experienced it, but then they were on their way back to their own country. First missionaries going back and telling people what God had done for them. And, and if I could get you to see something this morning, it, it would just be this. We're all storytellers. Your life is telling a story. Our lives should tell the story of repentance. Our lives being changed by the gospel. And that's a message that we share with the world. Our lives should tell a story of a report of the good things that God has done for us and what we have seen and, and how we're amazed by those things. And that should amaze other people as we praise the Lord and worship the Lord. But we have a mission. We have a mission to go to the world. God, God has called us to join him. And, and I want you to think about that with me for just a minute. The story that we have to tell, it, it's a question for us to answer because what kind of story are you telling? Your life is telling a story this morning. Is it pointing people to Christ? Or are you just a Christian in name only? The, your words and your deeds, do they match up? Is the integrity of your heart where it should be? Does it point people to Jesus? You're telling a story. Maybe it's a story about yourself. Maybe all you can do is tell the story about your work life or your kids or your grandkids or, or, or where you grew up. And, and you, you kind of have the uh, interesting story, but it's not the story of, of God's story. We talk a lot, don't we? Maybe we talk about all the things that are interesting to us, but we fail to mention sometimes the things that are most important for other people. It's the story of God's love and his grace and forgiveness. I just wonder maybe if, if it's time for us to renew our passion to that. Do you have anything to report from your life lately? I mean, 
Honestly, is your testimony all 10 years ago? Five years ago? Is it last year? Is that the closest you were to God's story was last year? We can do way better than that. We can be tuned into what God is doing in this world and, and watching him work and watching with wonder and, and with joy and, and, and hope in our hearts and to tell the story of Christ's birth and what it means for us just by giving a report. Man, if you'd have seen what I saw this weekend, God is good. We ministered in a hard place this weekend. Man, let me tell you something. I don't know if you believe in prayer, but God answered one of my prayers this week. We've been praying for a long time. You wouldn't believe what God did. God is faithful. He's entrusted us with this story. And just like John the Baptist was told to go prepare the way, I want you to think about that this coming week, next week, and as we start the new year. We're here to prepare the way for people to meet Christ. Something we might say, an interaction we might have, might be all it takes for the Holy Spirit to arrest their hearts and draw them to salvation. Would you bow with me in prayer? I always want to give you a chance to do business with God. Maybe today, in your life, you've never given your life to Christ. I just want you to, to consider that this morning. Why, why not? What's holding you back? You've seen testimony of what it means to be a new creation in Christ today with the baptism we had. and I want to invite you to know the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you'll confess your sin and believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for those sins and rose on the third day after he was buried, confessing him as Lord, the Bible says that you'll be saved. Why not today? Would you give your life to Christ? And believers, you have a report to tell people? Is there anything that you've seen God do? Could you stand up and give testimony this morning to the faithfulness of God in your life? Father, as we humbly bow before you now, we pray for those who are far off from you and ask that you would draw them to yourself. Father, we pray that you would save them. Father, we pray that they would see your infinite wisdom and your glory today that Christ came to die for us. Father, they would receive the good news of the gospel that they are loved and cherished by God who died in their place. God, would you let faith and hope arise in their life today? We pray for us, Lord, that you would draw us to yourself as believers with a message to tell the world that Christmas is more than just a holiday where we enjoy time with family and friends and time off and gifts and decorations. But Father, that you've adorned our heart with the love of Christ. God, would you let us see great things this year so that we'll have a story to tell, a report for the world. God, send us out on mission, preaching the gospel of repentance. In Jesus' name we pray, 
Amen.